Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is IGN's weekly PlayStation Show, Podcast Beyond, episode 598. We are so close to episode 600. My name, of course, as I mentioned, is Jonathan Dornbush. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Beyond. Max Scoville. Happy to be here on time for once. I know, it's amazing. I'm just here in general, it's good. We're happy to have you here. A few minutes late. We're, it's fine, don't. So just let him have this one. I didn't show up like in the middle of the show and have to sit in the corner seat like a bad kid. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's the punishment seat. You were, uh, you were late from the beginning this time. Yeah, we were all late together. We're also, of course, joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. Right, Lucy? Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you'll be here for the full episode. Um, oh, sorry. Oh. I, um, hmm? I've got a well, phone call. How? There's nothing There's Hello? nothing on the screen. Hello? You're doing it over the headphones. Lucy. Hi. Uh, uh, for the audio listener, she's leaving the room. <sighs> okay, maybe she won't be on this episode for the full time. Oi. Thanks so much for being here, Lucy. Uh, anyway, we have a pretty packed show, even though it's a bit of a light time for PlayStation. Uh, and I actually have the jingles back and whatnot. Uh-oh. I'm going to make sure things play correctly. But it's time for News Crunch. And I found a version of the News Crunch jingle Ronnie made for me that I have not played on the show before. What? What? I'm going to play. Like a Wait, we have a world exclusive world debut. World exclusive. World premiere. <laughs> of a new News Crunch jingle. Let's hear it. That I think Ronnie made like three months ago. That is a juicy apple. Goodness. Crunch. What the hell is that? So, of course, News Crunch began. What? Uh, as we were talking about the crunch of an apple yeah. on the show. So, Ronnie found that bit of audio. Um, Who is that? That, that is a juicy apple. Goodness. I don't know. <laughs> is, that is, that Ryan, like, it's, is that Ryan Clements? Ooh, it might be, actually. Legend, yeah, legendary oh, podcast be. beyond host Ryan Clements. I'm going to do it one more time. That is a juicy apple. Goodness. Crunch. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but it does sound like him. I'm, I, was on, I was on an episode of the show way back in the day where I swear Andrew Goldfarb ate an apple. And then everyone hated it. Yeah, and well, I that, was like, that's the worst thing to do in a podcast. Yeah. That's basically how News Crunch has began that wow auspices of it so yeah maybe that was i'll have to check with ronnie wow uh, who we we may hear from later in the show yeah uh but before we do we have a bit of a uh, just random various news going on that i want to bring up uh you know how much hard-hitting news there is when we we play the intro three times times. and then discuss whose voice it is yep yeah so it's a really busy time for playstation uh most of the stuff i have to discuss this week is third-party related uh some things of course thank you to everyone who wrote in questions both to the email and to me on twitter we'll get to those later but uh in terms of news going on since the july 4th weekend here in the states it's not been a ton one thing i want to bring up borderlands 3 has new competitive multiplayer modes and apex legend style ping system uh they basically released this whole brand new uh press release of all these additions they're bringing the borderlands uh they've continued to show that they're going to have a full suite of accessibility options which is great uh that'll include the ability to remap controls uh also include support for the xbox adaptive controller so people can use that uh more accessibility options will be in there they're introducing a 1v1v1v1 mode that is free-for-all dueling so yeah uh it's called the first free-for-all dueling mode which will allow players to opt into this competitive multiplayer experience uh, we didn't get too much more information on that but they also will have some discord uh integration as well as uh additions to its echo cast twitch extension have you have you guys noticed that they like recently people have come up with like really ridiculous names for like stuff like four player multiplayer (laughs) (laughs) 1v1v1v1 yeah we have a four person battle royal mode this is the same company that made the pre-sequel that's very true yeah yeah 
So that's kind of on brand. Silly names are kind of in the DNA of this franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it seems like we're going to just be getting a lot of small Borderlands updates. Uh, We have, I wanted to mostly bring this up to tell, we have a really big feature. I think it's currently at 99 Borderlands 3 details we've learned since that game was announced. Wow. Um, Colin Stevens, one of our intrepid freelance writers, has basically been putting all of that together uh, and compiling every new little thing we get as big new news updates hit, so be sure to check that out on the site for everything we kind of know about Borderlands 3 so far, which comes out in September, so that's pretty close. Uh, Moving on from that, I also want to mention, in terms of other updates, uh, this is for a game that's already out. Uh, Dauntless is getting challenging trials and new uh, rewards in a big new free update. Uh, I believe it's called the Fortune and Glory update. Casey DeFridis on our team spoke to the developers about this huge update. She has a huge in-depth look at what this is bringing to the game, uh, these new difficulties that they're introducing for new trials and all these things. So if you are playing that Monster Hunter-esque game, uh, she also talks to them a bit about what they're going to do when Monster Hunter Iceborne comes out. Uh, and one of the devs jokes, uh, probably take a week off. <laughs> like, we're not going to try to compete that's, with that. No, hey, that's I, awesome. I mean, respect to that for being yeah. like, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally appreciate that. But yeah, Dauntless has been seeing a lot of success since it came out. It's free to play uh, with monetization in there. And they talk a little bit about that. They're adding new cosmetics and things like that. So definitely check out Casey's full report. Uh, none of us here, I would say, are probably Dauntless experts, but I wanted to tell that piece as she put a lot of work into it. Um, one of the smaller news stories that came up today, though, I want to point out, I, I think it's an amusing one we could talk about. No Man's Sky's creator, Sean Murray, uh, talked about why Anthem and Fallout 76 devs should stay silent. Oh. Um, so this was originally reported by Games Radar. Murray spoke during the keynote panel of 2019's Develop Conference in Brighton in the UK um, and discussed why the philosophy they took with No Man's Sky, where they kind of stayed quiet after its release in 2016. Murray said, we went about two years without talking to press at all, and we went about three months without saying anything to to the community either. That was really hard. I sat down so many times and wrote the perfect blog post that was going to explain everything about the game's development and the roadmap going ahead, but I could see that it didn't hold credibility with regards to where we were at. Excuse me, at. Totally lost breath at the end of that. Actually, I didn't um, notice because you, you lost breath in like a perfect At the perfect, set. yeah. yeah. I, I was getting really choked up. Yeah, um, nice work. He then went on to say there have been a number of games that have since come out, had a polarizing, polarizing launch, and that explosive mix of loads of people playing it, but also problems. Um, so he continued and he said, I can see EA, Microsoft, or Bethesda try to placate players by just talking to them, but for right or wrong, it just doesn't really work. You see this all the time when a big publisher will talk to the community and try to solve the problem and then get embroiled talking up more and more of its head taking up more and more of its headspace yeah um man that's a very difficult situation for one i don't necessarily i think it's we're sort of retrofitting their approach to to silence as a philosophy as he called it and from what i remember reading and experiencing that seemed like it was more like they were quiet out of fear and shame um and also that that was a blackout that was yeah. yeah um and I, I think a lot of people were angry at them and in many ways justifiably because they had promised something they didn't deliver on. Uh, there was a, you know, a, lot of, a lot of conversations happening around then. But at the same time, I think that like, if you are a Bethesda or an EA, you are much larger than, than the Hello Games. And you basically don't really have that option. I think if you're an indie studio, you can kind of duck, you know, put your head in the sand and lay low for a while and hope that the situation blows over. Um, but when you're a major AAA dev, you have a lot more in play. You have a, a potentially irreparable damage to a franchise. You know, like uh, No Man's Sky was one of those things that could have potentially gone away forever. Uh, and I don't think it, it, it would have been bad, right? But I think like Fallout is not something you can just go quiet on for a long time. Like people have tattoos of that. You know, that is like a that is a huge, huge, 
huge brand. And so I think that that's sort of easy for him to say from his position, but um, it, it does, I think, offer an interesting perspective in terms of like, how do you handle a situation like this, which I would describe as sort of a debacle across all, all three of those games. You know? Yeah, there's no like easy answer right. for it. No, I think that there's definitely something to be said for, uh, you know, not letting every little sort of angry comment get to you and also for kind of shutting up until you have something of, of worth to say. Yeah. Also, like, you know, I mean, if you say, hey, we promise it's going to be great or, hey, we just uh, it'll be done when it's ready. You know, like that kind of thing is it's just it's just words. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people really do get kind of worn out on, you know, having smoke blown up their ass and hoping that they're going to get like. It's hoping that things are going to be remedied in in in, in writing or in text or in or no totally what's being said. But uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a difference to just completely going totally go silent, which just feels like did you did you take the money and run? Like what what's the story there? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I thought that uh, eh, I mean the Fallout 76 stuff is definitely like kind of sleazy. I wasn't really wild about following that game at launch. I had a weird amount of fun with it in spite of knowing exactly how busted it was. Uh, and then it was. It was good that Bethesda came out and was like, hey, we really, here's a bunch of free stuff for you. But at the same time, it was, I don't know, maybe, I mean, did they, I don't know if they waited the right amount of time for that. It was weird entirely that EA had like nothing to say about Anthem. Yeah, Anthem's been a yeah. weird one because I've been following the Anthem subreddit basically since it launched. Because um, obviously when it first launched, there was a lot of talk about, hey, they need to change X, Y, and Z about the loot drops. And there's, this feels like a lack of content in X, Y, Z. And they had this roadmap at launch of what they were going to do, uh, especially with the big event they were leading toward the Cataclysm, which has been delayed. Uh, from its originally intended launch, but it's one of those things where they've pretty much been radio silent. Like, they've been taking a bit more of that approach in recent time, um, right. especially with E3. They just weren't there, really. I, I mean, it's also, it's going to be, it's sort of bad form if you got this thing that a bunch of people worked on, and you say on your big public account, hi, we've heard your complaints, and we hear you, and we're working on it, because then people go, what are the complaints? Assuming they're not totally, you know, finger on the pulse of that kind of thing. Um, and there's this whole thing where if you if you make a fuss about something on the internet, it makes more of a fuss and people pay more attention to it. So if there's things wrong with your game and you acknowledge that there's things wrong with your games, you're effectively doing damage to your your own brand. But if you don't talk to your community directly, you're ignoring your community. So it's yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's a really interesting point because it's it's sort of I mean we're all you know we say this all the time on the show we're we're all very head down on this. If you listen to the show, if you're on the show, whatever. If you check IGN, check, get video never game content. Yeah, never been there. Yeah. Um, you're you're a hardcore video game nerd, and you're you know when you hear about these problems first. But I wonder what like you know Johnny Casual thinks when he walks into a store and he buys Anthem and he goes home and he plays it and it's like oh it's pretty cool. I'll get back to it eventually. And then he comes back six months later and he's like wow there's more content. Um, I think it's like it's hard to service that audience specifically, and in fact, I would not even worry about them too much. The the reason I think it's it would be nefarious and and rather duplicitous for Bethesda and EA to come out um, and, and not say anything is because these are games that were sold and hinged specifically on season passes. These are these are things that they mm-hmm. got they got like a hundred bucks from you on day one, and to like just go quiet after that sucks. Like that sucks for consumers. That sucks for anybody who who spent a hundred dollars on a video game. That's a lot of goddamn money. And you know to just come out and not say anything. Like, and I know people had their fun with both of those games. I completely respect that. I understand that you're entitled to that. If you got your money's worth, go for it. That's great. But I think the mass conversation around those things were, were they they did not pan out in the way they were supposed to. Whereas No Man's Sky felt a little bit more singular, a little bit more self-contained. I think it was sort of disappointing on day one, not necessarily in its 
in its lack of a future, but sort of what it lacked the ability to do based on its promises right out the box. Um, and that's that's tough. This feels like the weird inverse of the argument surrounding on-disc DLC. Like, remember that whole yeah. thing where you'd oh, get a yeah. disc and they'd be like, oh, like you pay money and you unlock a thing that's already on here. In this case, it's like the thing isn't anywhere. It's just out there in the cloud. It maybe exists, maybe it doesn't, but they're like, here's the roadmap, here's the long tail for this. Or like when a Kickstarter is like, we're going to put this game on 3DS and then it's like eight years later and you're like, what? Yeah. Where is that? <laughs> It's weird. It's weird buying into any sort of ongoing media nowadays because, I mean, everybody wants to make this sort of forever game, right? This thing that Desert Island game, which ironically has no Wi-Fi uh, <laughs> and needs a con- does, requires a constant Internet connection. Um, I'm always like I'm, a, I'm really in a TV and I'm, I'm always wary to like jump in on something that isn't confirmed to be getting a second season. And it was weird. I started watching that show Dead to Me and on Netflix underneath the, the logo it said like, uh, like now getting a second season. Yeah. Like, they do that a lot now to yeah, let like, you don't, know. don't be scared. Yeah. This is here for a while. Like we're making more of it. It's successful enough to quantify continuing future support. And with video games, you don't actually always know that. And so you might see sales numbers at the beginning, but with something like Anthem, you would expect like, that's sort of like a, you know, if, if they build it, they will come or whatever the hell that, that whole stupid thing. Like, cause with Anthem, it did okay at the jump. Not great, not by any means, definitely not with the investment they put into it. But that's one of those games where if you look at Destiny, the long tail on that stuff like that, people jumped in that game late because they were like, oh, I'm buying into something that's been A, going on for a while, and B, will continue to go on. And for Anthem, I don't see any reason to walk into a store and buy that game today. Oh, no, I don't think there is. I mean, it is going to be really interesting what that game looks like in six months if they because Bioware is in a different place that Bungie Bungie was because Bungie as a company and previously working with Activision now on its own is all in on Destiny as their Mm -hmm. thing whereas Bioware of course has other projects in development they're working on a Dragon Age and who knows what else maybe I think what's what's got to be pretty terrifying for anybody at Bioware or EA is that you know you're about to ship this game that is very clearly a Destiny like or you know Destiny killer or whatever you want to call it uh, clone I don't know but it's that kind of game uh, and just before it's about to come out, after it's been kind of in the whole marketing cycle, uh, Activision kind of pipes up and they go, eh, we had a good time with Destiny, but it's, it, they can have it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a company that they love money. They love lots and lots of money. And they're not about to like willingly let something go if they're if it's not printing the amount of cash that they want. Yep. And so for, and then meanwhile, for, for you know, Bungie to turn around and be like, oh, it's, we're going free to play and we really don't want to like dial in on what the community wants. Like that's got to be like, uh oh. It's funny that I feel like every company wanted to chase the tale of Destiny when it first came out, or even before it came out, and now they're all finally putting out those games that they were making to do that. And it's like we're, we're a little like obviously development takes time, so it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's funny to chase that tale, and that tale seems to have died yeah. off a little bit. Meanwhile, yeah. you see, the, I mean, I don't know the, the rise of like battle royale stuff, and people are like, uh, I don't have time to sink all this money into this like grind. Like I need something that's like a quick turnaround. Like give me the give me the Snapchat of video games where yeah. I get dropped on an island and I'm dead in 15 minutes and I move on with my day. And on the flip side, No Man's Sky didn't try to capitalize on on that entire genre or movement and instead made something that was disappointing at the start, was very very often, you know, refunded. Uh but then ultimately went on to be like a big hit game that I think the word of mouth and the sort of like mantra over has has swayed to something more positive since then. Uh, that was this 
go to like sort of whipping boy punching bag black sheep if you will of that is oh the the ultimate video game disappointment you know one of those things that everybody wanted but then there was this like that became a metaphor of sort of like they're working on this but it could be a no man's sky which you know? sucks because like they I, I feel like they went in and they fixed it or they, they made did, it, I mean, it they took did. a long time yeah, yeah. I, I, like if you look at the discussion around that game right now it's well they've added so much it is such a fully featured, featured game there's such a dedicated audience for it and now they're adding the whole game is VR like they are yep. continuing to build that's on that's insane it's like I, I think we're hoping that was going to be a VR game when it was like first like first revealed I'm like yeah. this could be VR well, there was yeah. that Sean Murray quote a couple weeks back right where he was like we didn't know it was going to be this big <laughs> which is I guess like one of those interesting again like the difference between an indie game and a triple a or triple a dev and an indie dev um it's the same thing where like we hear it at ign we have a perception that we are much larger than we actually are and so when we screw up that is magnified and as it should be because we're big and we're everywhere but when like a a, a a small a small outlet or uh you know host or whatever it is does something like that it's it's sort of like we accept it a little bit better because it's it's the mistakes of like a, a small group um and i completely understand that uh, but it is good to see them sort of spin things around a little bit but yeah that was a sort of you know pretty disappointing game for a lot of people yeah and it's interesting to see some of these games facing similar issues take both similar but also different approaches obviously like you were saying you compare what hello games is to bioware within the framework of ea yeah and it's a demonstrably different situation i mean like i think if my memory's not failing me no man's sky was revealed during that weird vgx awards year where it was like joel McHale on a couch in a studio with jeff keely or whatever yeah. yep. and that was the reveal of that game oh wow compared to you know anthem which is the marquee teaser announcement at the end of an ea conference that ea played two years ago right it's also that you know hello games doesn't necessarily have a booth at e3 they don't have a, a, a live show presence they don't have a press conference they don't have any of those things um and so when I mean, they were the studio that made Joe Danger, yeah, yeah, they're like basement flooded and they lost a bunch of stuff for Joe Danger or something. Wasn't that a yeah. Thing? yeah, yeah? And then they figured out impossible maths and made Infinite Worlds. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Whereas EA, um, and obviously, like there's a lot of people are anger, angry at, at them for a lot of stuff right now and have been for quite a while. And again, much of it is justifiable. You know how much water it would take to flood EA? <laughs> yeah, a lot. You'd have that's like a lot of different places, a lot of studios and stuff. Yeah, I mean, be, I, I mean, you'd have to have like a day after I, tomorrow kind of scenario. No, that would be like a Noah's Ark situation. Yeah, where <laughs> I think kind of, we, that's like the same story. Really. Do you think they'd still get worse? <laughs> Wait, no, day after, in no, I'm thinking of 2012. Day after tomorrow and Noah's Ark. Yeah. No, day after tomorrow is the one where they run away from ice. I'm going to yeah. put this on record and still say that I think Comcast is a worse company than EA, even though EA wins that contest every year. Just yeah. that out there. Comcast yeah. sucks. Um, FIFA is pretty fun. Yeah, uh, but. Um, EA rolled into E3 and were pretty quiet about Anthem, the, for their first big place to talk about it. Like, Hello Games, they, Sean Murray, he could hide and did hide for a while because it wasn't like, hey, um, you're hosting a Nintendo Direct or something like that. Yeah. Like, you got to get on stage and, and talk to the fans. Um, he didn't have any situation like that. EA had an opportunity to come out and like they... they they mumbled some anthem stuff, and they were kind of like, "Oh, where this work is happening." Well, they have to say like, "Hey, we're yeah. showing anthem in a big way," uh, and then you know, blog posts after of like the cataclysm has been shifted schedule wise yep. and things like that. It is a much different situation that they're under. 
and again, like the, I don't know if there there is no right or wrong answer. Like these situations yeah. are, especially with No Man's Sky. Like Hello Games didn't have a oh that company did it right before we should just copy that. These yeah. are weird anomalies of situations to be in as companies. So yeah, yeah, I and it's, it, it's something we're going to continue to see as yeah. as more more people swing for this games as a service, games yeah. for everything. Also, I mean, there's no right way to really handle like. PR or social media in 2019, it's a constantly sort of moving target. Yeah, uh, I think I don't know if I necessarily agree with Sean Murray about going like totally silent. He probably could have benefited from sort of like saying less in advance, you know, <laughs> as opposed to saying nothing afterwards. But I do definitely applaud him for just I don't know getting off of Twitter and making a game. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. running his mouth. And that's what they did, and it's been working so far. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens to those other games yeah, in like, the future. One one last note is that yeah. we we've been talking to devs for years at this job, and you know a lot of them are not necessarily trained up on what it's like to have a big loud group of people angry at them. Um, and there is that mental health aspect of sort of like they they are creative people. And again, this does not sh- justify shipping a broken product. I think the consumer is entitled to their money in a situation like that. Um, but I do know that a lot of people are not trained for that because they're they're th- they're quiet, head down in these dark studios with you know brightly lit computer screens, and then their art goes out into the wild, and it is either cherished or torn apart, and that that reaction affects people differently. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, be mindful of it, but just that is definitely a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Um, anyway, moving on from that, a couple other brief news stories I wanted to bring up uh, very briefly because it's currently my game of 2019, even though it came out last year. Uh, the final leg of Assassin's Creed Odyssey's Fate of Atlantis DLC uh, called the, I want to say, Judgment of Atlantis, that's the name, comes out July 16th. So that is eight days from now, uh, seven days from now, which is great. Uh, that DLC has been really cool, introducing new areas, uh, going a little bit further into the supernatural uh, or uh, supernatural, the afterlife in the world of Greek myth, uh, which is super exciting, especially knowing that studio is going to go on to make gods and monsters, right? which looks really cool and we haven't seen too much of, but hopefully that's a fun little adventure there. That seems like such a fun romp after. Oh, thing, yeah. Right. It's, I it, like that they just threw the entire rule book for Assassin's Creed out the window. Yeah. 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 Between Origins it. and Odyssey, it's just yeah. like, yeah, we're just going. What do you do? You, you fight like big, like Greek monsters and stuff? In or? Odyssey? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in spoilers. see. But, uh, I mean, in the base game, you can find out in the world, again, spoilers, you can find, um, not a Pegasus, but you can find There's a like, Cyclops. Okay. Uh, you can you hang can, from the statue's Pengus. You, you can, can do, do that. that. You yeah. can fight Medusa, basically. Okay, yeah, that's uh, what and I'm then, talking and, about. And then in the DLC, I, you're, you're talking to Hades. Okay, so, like, I don't think, <laughs> I mean, I don't. maybe that's a spoiler. I think it's kind of, like, more just that's exciting that they yeah. decided to be like, oh, we've historically recreated the entire the, the, the Arc de Triomphe and you can now look at it in this nonviolent app and then also be like, yeah, but there's a manticore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I love them integrating this stuff in there more and I'm excited to see what it means for the future of AC. Uh, one thing I also wanted to bring up, which was a weird thing that really, really popped earlier this week, but uh, the Batman Arkham Collection is being re-released um, this September uh, in the UK or as Amazon UK noted it. Uh, the re-release includes Batman... Arkham Asylum, uh, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Uh, and I think the big weird thing a lot of people were frustrated with was that uh, Arkham City and Arkham Asylum have already been re-released for PS4 and Xbox One as the Return to Arkham collection. Yes. What, uh, what is this? This is really strange. This is just basically them being like, hey, if you want to buy all three games together, you can. 
So this is the call. This is called the Batman Arkham Collection. Batman Arkham Collection. It does not include Arkham Origins, which is the prequel game made by WB Montreal, which right. is still kind of stuck on last gen and PC. Um, so there's not been a PS4 or Xbox One version of that game, uh, and it also doesn't include for PS4 or PSVR members Arkham VR, uh, which, which is was awesome. made after. Yeah, all those. Yeah, interesting. So, a, yeah, I was I, I I played all of those games and I always forget how many there were. Yeah, which yeah, is it, crazy. It's they, been a larger series. Yep. Um, there's the Vita and 3DS ones. Oh yeah, the Escape oh, from Blackgate. Yep. The Met, the Metroidvania ones. Yeah, which yeah. were kind of a swing and a miss, but yeah. still a cool idea. Right. Yeah, and then there's been the we just assume there have been rumors and reports about further Batman games going on somewhere at WB, but we don't know exactly what. Um, it just seems like a weird way to bundle games that you can already buy. Usually on sale for like seven bucks. Yeah. But, you know, however you want to buy Batman, those are really good games. I mean, so you should buy them. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> these are drumming up excitement for like a new one. You would assume. It seems like a weird reason otherwise to release that. I mean, who knows? I don't think Rocksteady is working on another like Batman game, but I think WB would be insane if they don't release another Batman Arkham game in this universe yeah i mean i presume those games sold incredibly well right oh yeah they were i mean there were huge critical successes really big sales successes yep. from what we know it, it would be crazy not to continue that but maybe who knows? maybe a launch game maybe yeah that seems like a pretty launch window yeah. i think on this show we've predicted like something like 25 high profile launch games so let's, yeah that's the launch some is going to be amazing let's hypothetically delay some stuff to q1 2021 yeah <laughs> yeah well, that's how launch games are, aren't they? There's, yeah. always, there's always like, yeah, it's the launch lineup, and then some of these come out three, four, five, <laughs> six months later. Yeah, like, okay. Uh, I'd be okay if a new Batman came out January 2021. That'd, That'd be, be really. A great it'd be really interesting to get a new Batman game and a new Rock City game that was not a Batman game, but was a different game based on superheroes that were not Batman, but Batman was still in some of it a little bit. Yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, like, I get basically what he's they saying. they tackle a different DC thing, but Batman shows up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, what I said. WB holds the keys just to so many awesome franchises. <laughs> And we just don't see much of them in games. Uh, Lord of the Rings, yep. Harry Potter, and DC well, are just kind of there. And yeah. we get occasional things, but we like there could be so much more. They got the Matrix. Yeah, they had the Matrix. They got Mad Max. Yeah. They got a bunch of stuff in yeah. there. Hey, and man, if kinda... the Blair Wish can come back, the Matrix can come back. They're trying to that make new it movies. Come back. They're trying to do a thing to, with it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a video game. Yeah. They could do that. It'll be surprise released in August 2021. Well, Rock straight up said they're not making a Superman game. They've said that. I will also say companies have lied in the in the past. That's true. Um, there were rumors that they were making a Suicide Squad game. Uh, I think that might have been Eidos Montreal. Okay. Wow. I think. Yeah, there have been a lot of there have been rumors of a Suicide Squad game. There have been rumors of another Batman game. Uh, there have been rumors of I think a Damian Wayne game, his son. So who mm-hmm. knows where they're going to go? But presumably, someone's making a Batman game in some WB studio. You know, there's a couple of years there where we were playing these games all the time, and I almost didn't necessarily get fatigued, but I was sort of like, okay, it felt a little routine to fight all of these same characters over and over. It's been a long time, and I want to do it again. <laughs> well, I like how they'd always be like, they, I feel like that's one of those series that kind of uh, shot itself in the foot by having too much cool stuff too soon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Arkham Knight was like, it, you know, it's had some cool stuff. Their big thing there with the Batmobile was was the Batmobile. They were like, they're like, we got to have this thing. And you're like, oh, the, uh. It's sure you sure really are getting a lot of mileage out of this. Out it's of, not as cool truck. as the other cool stuff you've done. Yeah, but so, I mean, yeah. like even that in, was even a big in, long summer of like yanking winces or whatever with our cars. <laughs> I was just, we, we did an interview with uh, with Suda Five One, a Japanese game developer who's wonderful and very weird. And he, uh, we were like, "What pitch us on your, your Batman game?" And he's like, "Batman, 
never gets out of the Batmobile. <laughs> He's just constantly driving around. <laughs> and I was like, that game is almost what that was. Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty much. Um, I, I, like Total side note, I loved how they did, I think it was Nolan North's Penguin. I think that's my favorite Nolan. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was had, in uh, Arkham City. Yeah, yeah, and the way he had basically like half a Coke, the bottom half of a Coke bottle smashed into his face as his monocle. It was so grimy yeah. and just street level. I, yeah, I love that. They had great villain designs. Seriously. And I hope we'll get more of that stuff yeah. someday, but we'll see. Um, so Batman, obviously, as we were mentioning, they sold very well, but they were, however, not uh, part of the top 10 third-party games sold across all PlayStation platforms of all time. But we did get that information. Um, I was speaking with Matt Piscatella of the MPD group. Uh, he put up, he was on Twitter being like, hey, anyone want fun data? And someone happened to ask for the list of all non-Nintendo games, like the top selling non-Nintendo games on Nintendo platforms across yep. time. So he compiled that list. And Every, then Everybody go follow him. He's, he's awesome. He's great. Matt Piscatella. Um, we also asked him for the overall top third party games sold across all platforms combined, as well as PlayStation and Xbox. Um, for note, this is MPD's data based on physical sales since 1995 and digital since 2012. Not all companies report all of their data, so it's obviously not complete, but these are usually the most official best numbers that we can get at. Uh, these numbers are also based on total dollar sales, so this is not number of units sold. But uh, does anyone want to take a guess at what the top third-party game of all time across PlayStation platforms is? It's got to be a GTA. Which one? Four. Max? Mm, five. You are correct, Max. GTA oh, wow. Five is the top third-party game across all PlayStation platforms by total dollar sales since 1995. Damn. Uh, it is also the top third-party game across all platforms combined from Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox uh, in total. We that- talked about this before, but when they uh, uh, invariably release uh, GTA Five for PlayStation Five. Do you think the NPD, at least for a couple months, will concurrently have GTA 5 on PlayStation 4 and GTA 5 on PlayStation 5 at the exact same time? Probably. I mean, so what they do when they have games that are on different SKUs, they combine all those sales as one thing. Oh. And then tell you which SKU has sold the best. Even generationally? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. I want to know those numbers. I think they do. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Matt, I just want tell like a, us. Yeah, Matt, break it down <laughs> for us. I just want like a raw top 10 of this hypothetical situation we've just invented. Yeah. Does that count like uh, GTA cash whale shark cards or whatever, like online, I online don't, microtransactions? I don't know. Because if they're I, counting that, that's got to be like a Then that would up and away. Ton, yeah. Well, yeah. so that, with this being based on total dollar sales, that's why you get in the overall top list, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six... Seven Rock Band is the seventh highest selling game of all time, wow. but of course that game was selling in two hundred two hundred fifty dollar bundles um, at the yeah. height of music genre. And gaming, also, it so hasn't it hasn't been selling since. Yeah, which exactly. is weird. To imagine like having that much of a head start that long ago and still being in the top ten despite not even being in the race for like the last what seven years. So interestingly, what do you think is the number two top selling third party game across all PlayStation platforms combined in total dollar sales? since 1990. It's got to be a Call of Duty or a Madden. It is not either of those. Wow. FIFA? Nope. It is another music game. Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock. What? Is the number two. The number two? Number two of all third-party games sold across PlayStation platforms combined. What? In total dollar sales. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, it goes GTA 5, Guitar Hero 3, San Andreas, and then Black Ops, Black Ops 2, 
Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty World War 2, Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 3, Black Ops 4. Oh my god. So, Man. mostly Call of Duty for PlayStation. Um, Matt gave us a little more intel about this list in comparison to uh, PlayStation first-party exclusives because obviously those are such big draws for PlayStation and some of the most critically rev- best-reviewed games uh, in the years that they come out. Uh, he mentioned that in terms of this list compared to first-party games, the top-selling PlayStation exclusive would be Marvel's Spider-Man, and it would rank 18th overall on the list of top-selling games across all PlayStation platforms. In terms of exclusives? and In terms of third-party and exclusives combined. Oh, So if, if this list was third-party and exclusive, so basically all games released on PlayStation, Spider-Man would be the first uh, highest-selling PlayStation exclusive, and it would only come in at number 18. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Uh, and Matt said, speaking over email, Matt said, the common conception that the first party published exclusives are dominant on PlayStation platforms isn't really pro- really proven out by the data. Yes, exclusive games are a meaningful part of the consumer purchase decision, and many PlayStation exclusive titles have been massive successes, but ultimately it is the third party franchises that occupy the bestsellers chart lifetime. Right. Yeah, that's that's so fascinating and so true. I mean, that is where, that is where I, I think you you can tell how well a system is doing because I think people sort of ebb and flow. And we've seen that where with Xbox 360 was on top for a while and third parties were selling the best there. And then the, I think there was sort of a shift towards the end of the generation. Um, and people are fickle. And they, yeah. they go they go where the Call of Duties and the Maddens and the, apparently the Guitar Heroes were. Um, it's, it's really odd that no one's made any attempt to bring that franchise back or that rhythm games or music games really have... Well, there was subsided. there was one attempted revival when Guitar Hero Live and Rock Band Four came out in the same year. Mm. They basically took a couple of years off from those franchises and then brought both happened to be coming back the same year. Interesting. And Rock Band Four was essentially like, "Hey, you remember Rock Band? It's still here." Yeah, because obviously you've probably invested hundreds of dollars in the songs. Whereas Guitar Hero Live, I was a huge music game fan. Guitar Hero Live went to they introduced a new type of controller. It had a different button scheme, and it was introducing kind of a little bit ahead of its time but also a weird thing to wrap your head around of instead of buying songs individually you essentially bought uh tokens to play songs on a rotating library that they had streaming so like a like a jukebox yeah you basically like plugged into their online jukebox which had songs updating and cycling out and you would pay by the token to play it's such a like a too soon kind of thing yeah Yeah. i feel like the way that uh, just licensing for things in the internet has changed so much i mean you look at beat saber right now and that's a, you know, those guys, I feel like if they do a Beat Saber 2, they're going to come out with a lot a lot harder hitting tracks and stuff. But Yeah, I mean, that is uh, on a bunch of platforms with a sort of small user base, but it's like tremendously passionate for that game. Mm-hmm. Like people really, really dig that game. Um, and we've obviously seen a lot of swing and misses in like terms of like karaoke games and stuff like that. But like Just Dance is regularly one of the best selling games also. So yeah. I think there's like, there is something there. Um, it's just weird to sort of, assume or to, to hear that that's like one of the biggest playstation games yeah um i guess that's just by the sheer volume of how many console units they got out there and how many people in that in that user base were like yeah i just want to play guitar yeah guitar hero 3 was pretty much the apex of music gaming because it, it was this weird time where uh harmonics made guitar hero 1 and 2 activision 
and harmonics split ways when Activision had the rights, um, and Guitar Hero 3 was then made by Vicarious Visions, I believe, I want right. to say. Um, and that was when, like, Guitar Hero 2 really catapulted the success, and then 3 was kind of the apex, while then Rock Band was trying to compete, Harmonix was competing with Rock Band. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't even just, like, the music genre, too. We were cleaning out um, just a random closet here, a storage facility here at IGN recently, and we found, like, a stack of Tony Hawk Air controllers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we were just laughing about, like, I held one of those for the Tony Hawk Ride, I think it was, or Rider Air. Yeah, they I think both. Together. They had two. That's right. Yeah. And so I remember that it was, like, they basically made a, perif- a skateboard peripheral with no wheels, and you had to hold it up and scan it in front of, like, a camera. Um, and I think people were just really chasing this plastic peripheral thing for a while. Yeah, and I mean, I think away from it. we're seeing like people getting like you know mad about like plastic straws at Starbucks, and I think there's like there's definitely a movement away from like what? Why do we need to make a thing for this? And especially with like how people approach things digitally, like we're seeing a decline in toy sales because yeah. kids just get stuff for free on their phones. I want to see what like if there is a, a sort of rhythm game turnaround for this. I yeah, think, I think Nintendo Labo is one of those things that we're going to see like. That's that's going to be what the toy industry looks like in in 15 years. In the same way that Nintendo is always weirdly ahead of the curve, but sort of four steps behind at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the fact that they came out and they were like, "Yeah, here's like a here's a fishing pole peripheral. Here's like a you know here's a, a, a bazooka. Here's like a, a camera. Like all this stuff. And it's like it's all made of cardboard. You throw it in the recycle bin. It's gone. You don't have to worry about it. And that's yeah. also it probably costs more to produce like the the game cartridge than it does the entire set of peripherals there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's an eco-conscious approach to peripheral design, which I think like is, is pretty interesting. Um, but it's also, we covered the story a couple weeks ago about, or just recently, it might even been a couple days ago about GameStop's sort of continuous decline. Decline, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting to sort of map that to A, the light, the ebb and flow of a console generation, but B, the sheer lack of like the giant plastic peripheral industry anymore i mean when you're heading into an all digital future there's less and less of a reason to go into a brick and mortar store and you wouldn't download a skateboard (laughs) yeah well (laughs) guitar so counterpoint to this like what if people start taking microsoft's like adaptive controller and 3d printing peripherals for it yeah what if you go on etsy or shape shapeways or whatever it's called and and like buy a, a modern guitar hero controller that's I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of possibilities there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're so far away from that being anything mass market enough to be, yeah. you know, the second or third best selling PlayStation game of all time. Yeah. But no, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna yeah. be cool when we see like I don't know, like Stranger Things season forty five and somebody's playing Guitar Hero three and you're like, I remember those. Yeah. Ah, nostalgia for the old that? days. Yeah. yeah. Kids are a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um while we're probably not going to be playing Guitar Hero anytime soon, except for me occasionally in the office because I still love it. I did want to bring up a game we'll probably be playing soon in August, which is Control and we're gonna yeah. see if this works. Hopefully it does. Uh, okay, that's in the bottom right-hand corner. Let's see if I can make it big. The game's really yeah. tiny. Um, so this month... That's uh, got to be kind of a weird thing to say for anybody listening along at home. <laughs> uh, if you're watching the video version, <laughs> we're looking at the first few minutes of Control, which is the new game from Remedy, the creators of Alan Wake and Quantum Break. They like rhyming, except for this game. Uh, <laughs> we have an IGN first this month, so you'll be seeing a lot of exclusive coverage um, out of our UK team. They went over to Remedy and got to see a bunch of the game and talk to the devs and everything. Uh, so right now we have the first few minutes of the game up. I believe it's the first like 13 or so. Uh, you can watch those if you'd like. This is just a really cool looking game. I've always appreciated Remedy's stuff, and I would 
love to see maybe Sony pick them up as a studio, which is apparently a rumor that's been yeah. going on. Yeah, it seems bit. pretty likely. Um, that would be pretty amazing. Obviously, nothing is whatsoever confirmed. Neither side has said that that is definitely a thing happening. But in terms of, we know Sony is considering picking up studios. We know they love big cinematic storytelling based yeah. games. Uh, Remedy is one of those studios who makes really interesting, awesome adventures, and I wish they could have a sort of consistent home. Yep. Um, Control looks really cool, and this comes up in particular, and I'm going to grab that off the screen. Let's see if this works. Ah, our names are back up, and now yeah. they're gone. Um, Remedy recently got the publishing rights back for Alan Wake, which they basically said um, what this means They found is, the pages of the book. <laughs> um, that essentially means they can do what they want with publishing Alan Wake now, and of course it would be pretty cool to have that published on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, those were great games. Uh, that was a great game, and the American Nightmare DLC they released as well was pretty great. So. We uh, like spent the top of the show talking about these sort of like long multiplayer-centric, very bloated, play-forever, you know, open-world shooty games. Uh, it's really cool that Sony just keeps doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on these like strong story-driven cinematic single-player games. I think like if there is even the the even entertaining the rumor that they would buy a studio like Remedy is super cool because it is it's it's obviously it's just really cementing their approach to to making video games with a strong narrative that are good for lonely gamer dudes who want to play without a bunch of people yelling in their headsets like me. So. Shout yeah, I'm just shout moments. out to the potential of that hopefully happening. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about like what specifically about games really appeals to me, and I've kind of zeroed in on the fact that I like the the I graphics, like the graphics, <laughs> the combat, sounds, the replay value, and fun factor. Uh, no, I I think like environments are more interesting to me than anything else. Yeah, um, I think that it's. Like a TV show with great characters will be compelling if they're sitting in an office, but with a game, it's like giving me an environment to explore that's really fascinating is the fastest way to kind of hook me. Uh, and I, you know, I might not even care about who I'm playing as, but like if it's sort of a, a feels like a, a compelling world and not just like a, a bunch of hallways with like stuff in them. Well, that's really why that, that's why like the Battlefront games piss me off so much because they're I'm like you built Jabba's palace. Can I look? And they're like, no, get back to work. This is a first to twenty go team back kills to match. the esports. You're leaving the area. Please <laughs> yeah, return. Exactly. Like, no, that's the area yeah. I want to go. to. All your yeah. friends are mad at you. Um, <laughs> you've yeah, let down your team. But I, what I love about Control is that it's uh, it's so. I think I had this. I, I did an interview with them at, at E3. And I was like, it's it is uh, surrealist, brutalist architecture, but it's also like this weird kind of uh, anachronistic office space where there's like you know there's like a, a janitor with like a classic Walkman, but then you pull out your gun and it's like this weird like obelisk looking like bizarre futuristic technology, and this it does this thing to my brain where I'm like, I don't know when this is. And I really don't know where this is. And they're doing a lot of cool stuff. Like the the, the setting is, I think I said it was uh, aggressively mundane. Yes. Yeah. And they were like, they. I think I don't know. I mean, they're they're like Scandinavians, so I don't know <laughs> if they were offended horribly or thought that was funny. But they seem to kind of roll with it. And then I like that's the thing that really just fascinates me is I want to know more about this. Like I want to know what's what's up with this funky office building. I think there's a really interesting horror in the in the mundane in, in the day to day. I mean, like we, we work in a very fun office. But if you ever come in here, like to grab something that you forgot on like a Saturday afternoon or something, it's or, weird. Or even at, like you you stay around late and all the lights go down and all the computer monitors turn off and no one's there anymore and it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, this is creepy. Mm -hmm. like, there was legitimately two weeks ago, uh, Pablo, uh, who runs facilities here, told me that two people were working here on a Saturday and heard rattling in the stairwell 
at like 11 a.m. on a Saturday, and there was no one on the cameras, no one in the building other than them, like no, no record of anyone. So it's haunted. I'm, yeah. I'm so all in on like uh, really just regular setting. Like I think that's what's so scary about those like um, paranormal activity movies is that they're like really familiar. But if you take me like it's like oh it's a horror movie they go to a, an abandoned Victorian mental institution you're like oh no it's an old you know it's a it's always Victorian stuff yeah. well so it's like yeah what'd you expect going yeah. in that old <laughs> yeah. ass place I mean but in video games I'm so sort of I'm so kind of tired of just like bombed out like like desolate like whether post apocalyptic or just like or just like derelict kind of settings. I've, I've like rooted through so many dumpsters and garbage cans <laughs> and like looking around for old shell casings or whatever. And it's like, it's like, okay, give me something new. And this mm-hmm. game definitely seems to have that like in just a, a ton of it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. It looks, uh, I don't know if you gave like uh, something like Half-Life, like a sleek European overhaul. So. My, uh, my first E3 with IGN, which was my first E3 period, um, we, our war room was in the convention center and uh, at 5.30, they, sh- they shut the doors. And at 6.30, we were still writing and all that other stuff. And at 7.30, 8.30, and we, our whole team brought food in. And we had dinner in there, and it was like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. We all wrote very late back in the day. And uh, all the lights were off, and all the doors to E3 were shut. And it is just this cold, empty, giant sort of hollow building with no life and there's no <laughs> games. And it's like the thing when you're a kid and you're like, I want to stay in the mall after the mall closes. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, this is actually creepy. The mall is weird. Yeah, yeah I think I, there's something really cool about that. Yeah. Um, I spent the night in the, in the Crystal Dynamics offices once. We did like a 24-hour live stream there. Oh, weird. That was creepy as hell. Yeah. Oh, weird. Was really, they got big statues of Gex everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> oh, joking. Oh, no, that's, yeah, yeah that's, uh, I, totally, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. But it's that same feeling of like when you're a kid and you, and you go to, you stay late after school and you're like, this was a dead place. Yeah. It's too quiet here. This yep. is not normal. Yep. It's it's a very weird sensation, and I like the idea that they're capturing that in a game world you explore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with no time passing absolutely whatsoever, uh, let's move on to our next segment. I thought we could talk a little bit about our favorite games, uh, PS4 games of 2019 so far, uh, especially because we have a feature going up. Uh, written by our Damon Hatfield and Mm -hmm. voiced by myself about the best PS4 games of 2019 so far. So this is the closest we get here at IGN to being scientific about what is best. So, you know, nothing will go wrong. Um, This is based on, this list is every game on PS4 so far this year that got an 8.5 or above. Yeah. Oh my. So if you have a problem with those ratings, talk to the individual people. A statistical highly number-based metric breakdown of uh, opinions. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. The way we, we do yes. things here in We game. just love kicking that beehive. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're uh, like, no, 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 no. The number is representative of one person's objective opinion. But, oh, by the way, here's a scientifically ranked list. And without further ado, as the script says, here are the best PlayStation 4 games of 2019 so far, and then I want to talk about what actually our favorites are. Uh, but I just wanted to mention everything that's gotten an 8.5 or above on IGN in 2019. That appeared on PS4, not necessarily exclusively. Yes, yeah. So this is third-party... Uh, um, multi-platform exclusive uh, PSVR, I believe, is included on here. If it is not, I told... Yep, it is. Good. I should have remembered because I did the script. Anyway, uh, this list includes Dauntless at an 8.5, Dirt Rally 2.0 at an 8.5, Metro Exodus at an 8.5, Team Sonic Racing at an 8.5, The Division 2 at an 8.5, <clears throat> Blood and Truth at an 8.7, that was me, Kingdom Hearts at 3 at an 8.7, that was also me, MLB The Show, 19, 8.7, that was not me. Trover Saves the Universe, 8.7, that was Tom Marks. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, 8.8. 8. 
Slay the Spire 9, Apex Legends 9, Mortal Kombat 11 9, Observation 9, Resident Evil 2 9, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice 9.5, Devil May Cry 5 9.5. And that is everything above an 8.5 so far. Be- before we continue, yes. I feel like it's my civic duty to explain that these numbers don't necessarily indicate that one that Apex Legends for example is a better game than Kingdom Hearts. Sure. It is basically being valued on what it is attempting to do and what is succeeding. And it means that the person who played Apex Legends, they really, they didn't like, they didn't like Goofy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. No, I, I, because I reviewed Apex Legends and obviously rated it above. I say this very, I hate Goofy and I'm glad he's not in this game. Yeah. Uh, Real talk. Actually, I've been watching the new Disney Mickey Mouse shorts that they've been doing for the last couple of years. They're crazy. I really Mm -hmm. like them, but the way they make Goofy kind of like a meth addict and just don't talk yeah. about it is a little weird. Huh. Like mm-hmm. the the design of him is just kind of like he seems to like just be really disheveled. Does he look more like a cow or a dog? In the new in one? In the new one. A skinny cow. Okay. Not like the ice cream. I th- but I like th- a cow with a lot of Looney, Looney Tunes is doing weird. the same thing. They're making like super short little YouTube animations there. Where, yeah. Where's this going? Anyway, <laughs> I want to play I want to play Resident Evil 2. I haven't played that. I need It to, rules. I, You'll I was, love it. I was tra- I've been yeah. trying so much it. that I haven't yeah. like I've been playing old games on my little. Do it. Do a nice long spooky weekend and play that game. What did, what did we give Judgment? I forget. Judgment was I think it just missed this. Like I think 7. it was like 8 8 no, something? like an eight point two. Oh, eight point two. Okay. I want to say um, I'm okay. double checking. Uh, eight point two. Yes. Yeah. Again, okay. very dumb thing I like to say during these segments, but um, these reviews have different numbers and they're not necessarily comparable unless they're vertically in the same genre in the same way. Like the Taco Bell and the Home Depot in your town are both on Yelp and might have similar amounts of stars, <laughs> but aren't necessarily both competing for the same audience. If you had to choose one, though, which would you pick? For food? No, just which would you pick? Actually, for which food, is better? it'd be a tough one. I Home mean, Depot? I think, I think I'd love to make a shell a shed out of tacos. They actually sell tacos at the Home Depot. Why do we always talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's like the third podcast I've this discussion on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway uh anyway yeah judgment got an 8.2 um one of my favorite games this year and i'm actually gonna write a piece about it uh i really have fallen hard for crash team racing oh really? um because they've added this post-launch mode called grand prix and i'm gonna write a piece basically about how like mario kart needs to steal this because they've added an entirely new meta game where there are now daily weekly monthly themed and like hourly challenges that count toward a total point value that you can collect and you unlock new skins new characters new cars like all this stuff across playing everything in the game so it'll be like hit three enemies with missiles without missing once or just complete this cup or complete 10 matches online or just all these various challenges that is brilliant it is so cool and so smart and like i've legitimately sunk at least two to three hours into crash since the July 4th weekend started because of this mode. I'm such a sucker for things like that in video Me games too. too. Just yeah. like weird little bar filling gamified nonsense like that. And yeah. I think I'd be totally into that in a game like Mario Kart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Also, really Crash is stolen enough from Mario Kart. So exactly. I think it's time for, yeah. for Mario to steal something. That's back. right. I mean, I feel like we would have gotten that with, uh, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe if uh, that had been made for Switch. Yeah. It was. yeah. Had it they was. ported it, made a new game instead of right. Yeah. 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 Whatever the next one is. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, so that's that the rules. list of these. Uh, that's an example, I think, of just me saying, like, we love certain games, like, you love Judgment, that is not on this list. That doesn't mean they are in any way bad. Mm-hmm. But um, so I wanted to talk about the games we're loving this year so far. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think we've all, at IGN, the internet in general, at least Twitter, has talked about how this year is definitely feels like a down year. But I think there have really been 
some surprise standouts. A lot of smaller games have had time to shine. Yeah, my I have my list is super interesting this year, and I think we've covered a bunch of them already. But um, stuff like Resident Evil Two, Bloodstain, Blood and Truth, and Sekiro are completely different games. Yep, they're all over the place in terms of scope and scale. I mean, Sekiro and RE Two are pretty much up near the top. My issue with Sekiro is more my issue with me. I was like maybe sixty percent done with that game and just got pulled into a bunch of work trips in a row, like PAXs and all these cons and nonsense. And I came back and had forgotten how to play. And I was so deep in the game that it took me a minute to relearn and I got my ass kicked and I got frustrated and then I dropped it. Um, but I want to go back and finish it. And I genuinely mean that not in one of those, like every podcaster is like, oh, I'm going to go back and finish this. I do want to finish that game. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it's from soft and I was like head over heels for it. And then I, I backed away. Um, but blood Bloodstain, I'm chipping away at right now. And it's definitely a little bit more obtuse than I was expecting it to be. It's also not nearly as pretty as any of the vintage yeah. Castlevania games, I think, for the lack of pixel art. Um, I played most of it over the weekend. And yeah. The, the visual, like, lack of fidelity, uh, not that the... It's it's not like poorly animated necessarily. It's just like I don't love the design of the characters meshed against a two D background. I totally agree, and like it's weird because video games are something you mostly look at, you know. Like, and so you have to kind of like what you're looking at. And there's a lot of games that people get really into that I, I try, and the art style doesn't mesh with me, and I feel like I'm kind of being bougie about it. But it's not really like it's just ultimately my my brain is telling my eyes and vice versa. Like you don't like looking at what you're looking at. So, um, stop playing it. But bloodstained is fun enough. And I think I've been missing that vintage Castlevania feel for so long that, um, I'm powering through it. Yeah. I I've played about, I'm like 60% of the way through the Mm -hmm. main campaign. Like obviously a lot more of the map to find, but yeah, I've definitely not enjoyed looking at it yet. Continue to play because I'm so into its loop. And know that like, oh, I'm just about to find a new location or, oh, the boss battle is probably right around the corner or like I know what part of the map I'm filling out to a certain extent. So I want to keep pushing to see what comes next. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird year in that like there's a lot of there's a couple big games that I've been into um, and then a couple tiny ones. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel like last year did. No, we made a we made a video at E3 that was like, oh, the the big loser of E3 2019 is 2019, and people got mad at us because they were like, what about all these things? And it's like, as far as things that were revealed that are coming out this fall, yes, it is statistically there are like less big, huge releases coming out this fall because we are on the tail end of this console generation. Yeah, and also a lot of companies realize that you can put something out in February and people will still buy it. Yep. I so was, it's sort of. Yeah. I was reading this fascinating story this morning about um, Disney and the box office and how Disney now owns forty percent of the box office. And so what they did is they came in and they picked all the best. Like statistically, these are the best. Like determined by an algorithm, this is when you sell the most movie tickets, um, leaving all the other studios to sort of like work within the margins of that. And. I was thinking about how that's starting to happen with games a lot and we've saw it, we've seen it for a long time where like that big fear-based thing where you know Red Dead or Call of Duty or something would be like this is our day and if you put your game out on that day it was suicide and so everybody moved away and so we've I think so many people found all these places to get away from these big game drops that things are just happening constantly right now but that sort of happening with the you know decrescendo of the end of a console generation is showing us that there's less of the big things. I think people are kind of like holding in their big stories until the next time around, or they got them out last year. So um, that said, I do think that this console generation is going to 
be it's going to end really strongly. Like I don't think it's going to be like one of those like one or two swan songs and that's it. Um, oh yeah, I mean like what we know of 2020 and like speaking to that video, yep. everything we know confirmed for 2020 is like in any other year, assuming those games are as good as we're kind of expecting them to be, would all be probably game of the year contenders, oh, yeah. just like colloquially based on what we've seen. Yep. Probably there's a lot, be in that conversation. There's a lot of big stuff this fall, obviously. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like the, the conversation is going to keep going. And I, I love the fact that like just my short list has like a like a, a, a 2D Dracula fighting game and a, a, v, a, a VR schlocky B movie. Yeah. And, you know, a horror game and a, sam, and a, and a ninja game. Like, it's just cool. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like we had the same conversation about this time last year where it was sort of like, well, the, the top half had some had some bangers in it, but not like, you know, there was obviously like God of War, but we were sort of like, what's the where's the rest of everything? You mm-hmm. know, and it, it filled out. I, yeah. I think for me on a personal note, like AAA has not really been my thing this year. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't connect with Sekiro. And it's one of those things where I can appreciate the hell out of it. I am just in a point in my life where I don't want to deal with that frustration and working I, through it. And I so remember, I, I I remember entire years mm-hmm. feeling like this where I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, my favorite game that year was Proteus or whatever. And I'm like, what the, What else came out that? Like, right. I think the launch of the PS4 is very much like that yeah. where there were games that I had fun with but didn't fall in love with. Um, Sekiro is a phenomenal game that I will never finish. And I've accepted that. And I don't, I don't, I don't like the setting. Like talking about the whole thing about uh, environments and places I want to explore – there's something about the traversal being too fast to make me really enjoy it, which, meanwhile, Bloodborne, I think the fact that you're on the ground and there's almost like a – there's some cre- there's like a creeping element to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like no. it's, also, it's broad daylight, so you can kind of see everything and you're like – Totally. And I think Sekiro gets into the creepy, obtuse from soft world that I like a little bit here and there. But my main issue with it is honestly the lack of variety in terms of weaponry and combat. Um, whereas Bloodborne, like you can start a new game and be like, I'm Simon Belmont this time, mm-hmm. or I'm going to come in next time. And I have like this gigantic ball and chain or like this huge ax that has like every, every, every weapon in that game has multiple forms to it. And you find more weapons in the wild and you can, up, you know, uh, add weird elemental stones that you get from killing wolves. Yeah, <laughs> All no, this fun stuff. Sekiro, was, Sekiro uh, you get a sword. It's, it's a sword. Kinda, yeah, it's kind of a monkey paw wish yeah. where it's like, like oh, I, no, I actually it's, like, it's more forgiving. You get twice as many lives. I, I almost burned <laughs> through a PS, a DualShock controller playing Sekiro because like it was, it's really just a lot of just like this one, it's just one button a lot of the times. And there's a lot of dodging and parrying and stuff like that. But like ultimately, spoilers, like you have a sword and you keep the sword. At, at least in t- I don't know if you get a second one later on from what I read you don't so um, that kind of bums me out that said like I'm happy to see them get out of their comfort zone but I do want them back in their comfort zone <laughs> those games, and making uh, another Bloodborne <laughs> those games feel like instruments in that like they're a thing that I'll pick up and I'll be like wow this is finely crafted this is clearly a work of, of real it's a real it's a real butte and then I'll mm-hmm. like pluck a few strings and I'll be like I cannot play a song on this I can't, to save yeah. my life I, I can play a note I can't play a chord yeah. And that's always kind of bummed me out because I think I'd love those games if I could get into them. I wish um, I could like I wish I could like coach you through the first hour of Bloodborne and just get you over the hump because I think after that you'd really find something like Dude, I could help you with that. Yeah. It's, it's, it w- it's honestly it is it there is a there is a moment where that game solidly that, clicks. I, I think if there's any FromSoft game I'm gonna go to, it's gonna be yeah. the Avenger. Yeah. And I, I think I do just need to like conquer down. Maybe we can do like you can backseat game yeah. for me. That'd be we'll super cool. Also, yeah. like that's the whole thing is that you can like you can phone a friend, like that's got like call a <laughs> lifeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll show up and they'll just like whoop some ass for you and it's it's a good time. But yeah, yeah I, I think for me twenty nineteen has 
I don't know if anything that's come out is going to be something I remember five years from now, but I'm really happy for like a lot of the unique experiences I've had for me personally in like my gaming taste. Like I'm excited to have had Trover and Blood and Truth when it comes to yep. PSVR. I'm excited. Basically everything Devolver has put out this year, even if it's not been amazing. Um, like I've Katana been Zero in. And Katana stuff. and not all of this has been on PS4, but like observation and then Katana zero and my friend Pedro, like just all these unique ape out as well. Like they've put out just a lot of oh, really yeah, killer small, but I really need to go back to observation and mess with that some more. Yeah. I started it and like, I was trying to have like, it was one of those like afternoons where I'm like with hanging out with my wife and I'm like, Oh, you want to play? Let's play a game together. I got this new thing. Let's check it out. And she's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, you play as a space station. I don't really know much else about it. I thought it was entirely a fixed perspective thing. Uh, okay. And it's so like, for the record, she's incredibly good at games. She platinum Spelunky, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. Oh yeah. Uh, and, but she's also got like severe, like depth perception motion sickness. So if I scroll through Netflix too fast, she'll be like, yo, slow down. I'm getting spins. Oh, and the camera in that game. And that's be, yeah. this, that game goes from being fixed camera perspectives where you're basically just moving around slowly to being like, oh, you're an orb that floats around in zero G. And I was like, this is making me queasy. Yep. And yeah. it's like grainy and it makes a lot of weird noises. And yeah, I definitely love like all the, the UI. There's a great experience that, but. to it. But yeah, it it can be kind of exhausting yeah. a little bit, which it's also, I think is part of the intent. But I have this whole thing where I've I've been in a lot of spaceship hallways <laughs> and I, I don't find yeah. myself compelled to do more. And like, there's got to be something really cool going on there. You yeah. Know? No, um, I totally get that. I think they're in games a lot because they're um, e- like they're easier to make. Honestly, I think it's a no, lot I mean, easier to to make a when, like a, a very stark, bleak, minimalist, uh, flat-looking tunnel rather than a jungle. Well, also, I mean, I don't make games, but my understanding is that uh, is it still up there? There was that. There was that. Uh, that what is his face? Uh, Carl Sagan quote: of mm. "You have to if you want to." Uh, make an apple pie from scratch first you have to invent the universe or whatever mm-hmm. the video games are very much like that where you're like oh did you want gravity in your game because you got to have you got to figure out where the gravity goes and where the floor is <laughs> mm-hmm. and like how to make things stick to the floor and like if you're in space you're like well i guess we'll have a tube that we float around in you know and yeah i mean to, to kind of like hover back to like the 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 theme i i i do i don't necessarily feel disappointed by 2019 no no i it's and it's definitely not you know, for a lack of trying, because I'm sure. I'm throwing myself at ev- every game that that I have the opportunity to play. I just don't, and this is this is 2018's fault. I don't have like a bawling in tears at the end of God of War. Yeah, you know, or I don't have like a holy shit, I'm Spider Man. The first swing in Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, for me, like it really the game did make you feel like Spider Man. Yeah, I, you, I said that several it made times. Made you feel like Spider Man. Spider Man yeah. made me a better parent. It made me feel like a better Spider Man. Yeah. No, you, I've I, never felt so, like Spider Man because, like, cinematic, <laughs> you, like movie wise, I've always been like older than that character for mm. the most part, and also like I've never been ripped or <laughs> a genius. Or dated a redhead, so I don't really know anything that that dude's going through for real. My girlfriend, like I lived in New uh, York for a minute, dying her hair red, so I'll be a third of the way there. That rules. Yeah. So, there you go. You know, and I'm basically Spider Man. You're kind you're of a, a nerdy. You're dude. a newsman. You're ripped too. No, yeah. no, no, no hey you're guys, ripped. don't worry about no, no, it. No, oh, no. who's gonna feel uh, like Spider Man? Uh, <laughs> I did in the game. Anyway, <laughs> no, you um, kind of you had like a Spider Man transformation where you started seeing a personal trainer and you got in really good shape. Yeah, which I feel like a Spider-Man movie where he gets bit by a spider when he's like 30. he never goes to see a person. He goes, no, but he gets he gets bit by like when he's like thirty-two and he suddenly gets in shape and then everyone in the office is like, hey, like there are no bullies, there's no Flash Thompson. Everyone's like, hey, you're looking really good. What did you do? Change your diet? And he's like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I, eat, I eat bugs now. <laughs> yeah, actually, that'd be weird because I wouldn't even have to do any of the awkward high school stuff. If that dude got bit by a spider when he was 32, he would not fight crime. Yeah. No. He would no. be like, I have too much going on here. I have a, I have a savings account. I have a mortgage. It's really yeah. hard to get out of high school, but like as an adult, I could be like, I have a, a doc, the, the proctologist, and then I go fight <laughs> Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where, where did this go? Uh, anyway, yeah, 2019 games. Um, yeah, no, I, I think just for me, like, there was also so much great that came out at the end of 2018 that I've been catching up on that stuff. And I think that's taken... And I've I've been in a weird mode where I kind of just want to play games I know I like. So yeah. I've, I've been playing I was Batman bring that up. And, and Assassins and, yeah. like, things I know I will enjoy. No, I, I fell back on some, like, comfort food stuff this year, video game-wise and food-wise. Um, but video game-wise, for sure, like, and I, I think that's, like, a... Like I, I ran through Resident Evil Four a couple times. I ran through Bloodborne once. Like it was just one of those years where I was like, like go back and play the stuff that 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 clicks, that makes you feel good. Then there was stuff like, and I talked about it last week, like Far Cry New Dawn that like took over an entire three day weekend for me. And I like practically, I think I I think I might have platinum it, and then it just totally passed through my system like a kidney stone. I don't even think <laughs> about it anymore. But like I remember having a really good time in the moment. And then just not thinking about it afterwards. And I don't know where you quantify stuff like that at the end of the year because there's it's not the most played. It's not the best. But I sure as hell enjoyed it for a few days. That's been, I think, 2019 for me in a nutshell. It's like I've played a lot of smaller games and experiences like in a weekend or in a week or two weeks. And I really enjoyed them. I don't remember a lot of them. Yeah. You know, not that they were bad. It sort of feels like when you marathon a show and then it doesn't get a second season for like two years and then it comes back and you're like, Oh yeah, I w- I watched all of Divorce on HBO. <laughs> I sort of liked it. I think I don't really remember. I get oh the new seasons here. We're you know? in a like I mean entertainment has taken on that binge culture aspect yep. as TV moved away from being weekly for the biggest temple shows so much and uh, like movie releases are more bingey in a way than ever because it's right. like you have to be at opening weekend for the big temple movies or why even go? I know. Well, that I mean they've I was talking about this with max earlier but like they've the studios have effectively financially weaponized spoiler culture yeah and made it to the point where it's like if your ass is not in the seat in the first two days you're going to come to work on money and someone's going to snitch on some cool shit that happened and um that's great for the box office <laughs> like that's how every weekend is a record weekend for every new movie so i mean i tore through red dead too like I got, I got married last year. That was a thing I never thought I was going to do. But I was more impressed with myself for finishing Red Dead Two <laughs> because that was a thing I really didn't think I was ever going to do. Yeah, uh, and it just that it's game, a marriage. That game keeps going. That's a that's a very it's a very good game. But by the time by the end of it, I felt like I. It's like when you just when you when you binge eat when you eat too much and you're just like you're like ah oh, I don't I don't feel like sated or like satisfied. I feel like I've, I'm stuffed. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a you know phenomenal game, and I like I wish I'd. I wish I'd like just pace myself with it, but instead I was like, I need to finish one of the biggest games of 2018 and 2018. And it's, I don't know. That's such a weird thing to like, we were just having a meeting about this, talking about how to like, you know, talking about how to cover games. And like, there's, you know, the way you cover a movie or a TV show is very different from how you cover a game because a game is a thing that takes sometimes 60 hours if you're good. And then, you know, like you can really suck at Stranger Things, and you can still beat that game in eight hours. Yeah, yeah. the show. I mean, not the game, which they now make. But. I think it's like six to ten. But yeah, you can. We can send the entire entertainment team to a screening of The Lion King. Yep. We can't necessarily bank on the entire gaming team 
to play 100 hours of an upcoming RPG. Yeah, and realistically, we're all going to experience those things differently. And I think some the same thing can be said for movies and film in that, like, you know, uh, there are people that walked out of the movie Midsummer because they were repulsed by it. And for me, it's my favorite movie this year. Go see Midsummer if you haven't yet. Please, please do. I know it's not based on anything. <laughs> going cold. Just going yeah, cold. And, just, yeah. Um, and so, like, what, what's interesting about that is that like, the three of us all sat down to play a video game at the exact same time, and we're going to hit different points in the game that push back. I'm going to fly through something that kills me later that you fly through, and you're going to use a different weapon than I'm going to use. And that's um, assuming it's a linear game. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. that you're mainlining oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, look at you. Look at something like Apex or Fortnite or something like that. Like every time you sit down and play that game, it's completely different for every single person in that game. And so. Uh, not even depending on skill base, but even if like you have an intuitive nature about what to do and where to go, your experience is going to differ. And so like, yeah, that's a very fascinating way to sort of approach video games in general. And that's why it's tough to take all these things and put them down and go, this is what this year did for us. Because mm-hmm. I think it's easy to, to calculate when you're talking about narrative story driven games, because assuming you made it through those even if you got through uneasy and or the hardest setting um we all saw the same ending for god of war but something like apex is is something we all interface with differently i got the ending where a 14 year old yells at me that's the that's actually (laughs) the common ending ending for me too yeah uh yeah so 2019 in short Mm mm-hmm a lot of different things. Play yeah. Judgment. Play Judgment. Play Judgment. Play Judgment. I still need to play a I'm lot like, more, I'm t- yeah. Okay. Well, I was like six hours in last week. Yeah. I'm what 22 hours in now. Good. So, yeah. yeah. Good. I, yeah. That, that game has officially clicked. I've, I've hyped up the Yakuza series a whole bunch. Uh, I've recommended my sort of playing order for that series. Um, and people come in the comments inevitably and are like, no, play the other one first. And I, I just play Judgment at this point. It's a totally fresh start. It's... Uh, the newest iteration of that engine. It's the it's all squeaky clean, brand new, shiny, totally like fine tuned, and it's brand new characters for everybody. So mm-hmm. like, just get in there, mess around. You play as a detective. It's not confusing. Like I didn't know what a yakuza was really. They're like they're sort of like gangster businessmen. <laughs> it's a long story, but the you play as a cool detective. And I, I'm really and it gets very silly after like five hours <laughs> um yeah that's one on my list of i think could be in my like game of the year list but i just need to play more of it. i haven't played that much persona i think i've sunk maybe 10 hours into that I, this game has a ton of persona vibes to it. yeah i mm. felt that in just the couple first hours i played like there's yeah. just a lot more like sort of weird little not even not mini games and not side quests but like there's also a part where you have to do coffee tasting which was very <laughs> persona but like but just like know. a tone and an air to it yeah. yeah, and there's straight up there's dating. You can go on yeah. dates with the ladies, and it's, it's, uh, I don't know. There's there's like uh, the localization is also super funny and cute. But there's a, there's a part in there where like in the tutorial for like going on dates where they're like with dialogue options like if a you know uh, if a girl like texts you and wants to go hang out and you say no, you can go and hang out with her later. Unlike in real life, and I'm like, oh, that's cold. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh God. Um, just what I need games telling me how to actually live my life. Um, but no, I'm really excited to play more judgment. Obviously there've been a lot of really great games this year and And it's only July. Yeah. We have a lot more to cover, um, as the year goes on, but those are some of our favorites of 2019 so far. So Lucy, Max and Brian talked about, about a bunch of silly games. No one likes like Sekiro and judgment. Oh, 
Bad games. Bad, terrible, bad games. Terrible games. Yep. Um, what are some of your favorite games of 2019, even if one of them is Sekiro? <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Is, I mean, I know it's really early, so it's like people are starting to forget that she came out this year, but it, it, it's, it was just so good. It was so much better than I ever could have imagined. I think the thing is with that one is that I was very, very – I had very high expectations because Resident Evil 2 is a, is a deeply, deeply – personal favorite game of mine from when I was younger and um my expectations were really really up there uh and it was just such a perfect remake in terms of bringing the series in to 2019 while still completely retaining the spirit of the original uh and I just I I think it's you know I said this so many times as people are probably bored of listening (laughs) to me say it but like you know it really did I think uh it's it's sort of changed what a remake should look like now and I think nothing else is really gonna be acceptable that is not of that kind of level yeah unless you're doing just like a straight remaster Unless you're doing a straight remaster. It it feels like one of those things where I I feel like this and uh, last year, I think to an extent as well, Shadow of the Colossus, probably like very clear benchmarks for, oh, if you're going to remake a beloved game, yeah, can't you can't half-ass it. It has to. It can't just be a little like a little upgrade, a little you know visual polish. It's got to be. It's going to be modern. It's got to feel modern. Yeah. Um, So I'm really, you know, I'm really intrigued uh, by Final Fantasy VII because that's another favorite of mine, and I really want to see if it's going to get a similar level. And uh, you know, by all accounts, uh, it it seems going to. to. Yeah. but yeah, I, I do think that that has been like such, it was such a massive shakeup for me this year. Um, what else? I will quickly touch on Outer Wilds just because yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's very moody. It's very, uh, it's one of those games where I feel like I can kind of do anything and go anywhere, but I don't feel terrified by that. I feel kind of inspired by yeah, it. Yeah, the scope of that game, because usually for me, when that's the. Like, if you throw me in a Skyrim, I'm like, oh, there are too many things to do. Yeah. I'm just going to go play a racing game because yeah. I know I can just race there. Yeah. But yeah, with this, it's like, oh, there are four or five main hub areas you yeah. can go to without saying too much. Um, of course, it's not on PS4 yet. Annapurna, bring that to PS4, please. That's right. I keep forgetting. So We're on cool. a PlayStation show it's, and that's not on it's PS4. It's fine, but it should be. It's but one it of those, should be. Yeah. Like, if, you know... It, for those of you listening who only own a PlayStation Four, I'm so sorry because it is such a <laughs> it is such a wonderful it is such a wonderful game. Um, but I will also quickly mention Judgment. I know that Max probably mentioned it already a little bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I like I'm coming from it having never really played the Yakuza series before. Yeah, um, I've always intended to. It's just some somehow Same. it's just like through my fingers. You know what yeah. I mean. Uh, and this is so I know this is kind of a slightly different Yakuza experience but it still retains some of the series uh, core kind of um, tenants I the guess. trappings right and whatnot. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm loving it and I'm loving it in, in, a, in a very similar way um, that I loved Persona 5 because it just feels it really does a magnificent job of making you feel like you're in like Tokyo or yeah. Tokyo style city. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Max said the same thing as someone who didn't really play much Persona or like love it in the same way some of us did. But he was like, "Yeah, you get you get kind of Persona vibes from it." It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm only like three or four hours in, but it's one of those like, "Oh, I really need to play more of this." Yeah, yeah. and I was um, I was playing in front of my girlfriend who loves 
Japan and you know she's she's not a big gamer but she was just watching me play and she was just like I just this makes me want to go back because it's just so evocative <laughs> yeah and you know just like uh going into a convenience store and you, you know looking through searching through every individual item and then like then some dude will crash through the crazy window fight. and then you have like a crazy fight in the convenience yeah. store um it's just yeah it's it's a lot of fun I don't know if I'll finish it but just because oh the the, the scope like this it's just a, a it's a lot it's yeah. a lot you yeah. know it's a lot of time but um we're not busy we don't have much going on. <laughs> but yeah i'm Christ. really i know <laughs> god um but yeah i'm really enjoying that uh yeah i think those are sort of my personal highlights this year yeah i wanted to ask what you thought <clears throat> excuse me just really quickly of 2019 in general because that's kind of what we were talking about I think, those other boys yeah i think it's been um i think it's been a, a slowish year mm. Mm-hmm. I think that there have been months that have been really quiet and the sort of the big game releases, I don't know, they, they've they kind of uh, ha- haven't made as much of an impact as I thought yeah. they, they would have. Um, like, I can't believe Kingdom Hearts 3 came up. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I, no, I, know, I still I am like, oh, my God, that came out in 2019. Yeah. Like, that was three four very intense days of my life it was and that was in january yeah and that feels like two years ago yeah yeah it's been a it's been a quiet year i think that next year is going to be so stacked i mean you know we saw that from e3 obviously all of the announcements well i'm generalizing but it's so many of the big announcements were about on games that are coming out next year not this year so i feel like 2019 has kind of just been like the calm before the storm and next year everything's going to explode we're going to find out so much more about next gen uh it's going to be a very different year so i just feel like yeah i feel like everyone is kind of heads down at the moment yeah biding their time for everything that's really going to be exactly i mean i don't know if that's how you guys felt as well a little bit yeah. yeah i mean especially i think the second half of this year definitely feels a bit more packed yeah uh especially like pre-e3 it felt like nothing was coming out in the second half of this year and now we have a better sense but yeah. it, it definitely just quantifiably feels like less going on yeah but hopefully it gives a lot of stuff room to breathe and find audiences yeah and like we still got death stranding like yeah. there are still big games coming out it's not gonna be quiet no it's yeah. not gonna be it's not gonna end with a whimper it's um it's just been like so far, like we're in July now. It's just been, it's been quite a long yeah. year. Oh yeah. Uh, well, Lucy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, we'll see you back next week. Woo, for I'll be there. Five ninety nine. I will be there. Jonathan, back to you and whatever stuff you were talking about. I don't remember. Moving on from that, a uh, few segments to wrap up the show. First one I want to do very quickly. Um, I'm calling it Dream of the Week. It will probably not be weekly, but... I thought we could show off cool dreams made in dreams. Uh, This one, because I love when people recreate things, uh, a user by the name of Millbox recreated (sighs) the opening of Crash Bandicoot in dreams uh, and basically like one-to-one redid the opening. I believe it's of Crash 2, I want to say. It's been a while since I've seen the openings of each of them. What's the one where he gets an ear infection? Um, Crash goes to the doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's favorite, but um, if you if you're listening, well, now this um, is just crash nose and throat. Yeah, this is incredibly well modeled. It's uh, oh my god. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, when we first checked out the dreams beta alpha, whatever it was, when uh, people started making stuff, I, I feel like the level design was like rudimentary, but its heart was in its right place, and the the some 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 of the modeling was like getting there, but it was definitely sort of like a little looser interpretations. And it's so fascinating to see how far all of that com- has come and the Absolutely. community has come. Yeah. It's it's sort of like checking out the 
like the E3 build of a game and then the final build of a game. <laughs> but um, this is hundreds of games and thousands of games in unison. I have a stupid question. Does this game have a release date yet? Uh, no, I, it's just the early access version is available for purchase. Um, it seems like they're kind of keeping it in an early access state. <laughs> okay. As like tools continue to be added and interface changes and all that stuff gets adjusted. I think because this is so driven by what the community can create and wants to create, uh, it's one of those games where it's going to probably have the early access label for a while. If that's not kind of until they just forever. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting because I wonder if they are positioning a, like a, a a marketing campaign blitz based on the the power of how awesome the user-generated content has been so far. And then obviously keeping that agnostic from any brands and franchises that they don't own the rights to because you couldn't necessarily be like mario sonic crash bandicoot and tetris are all here <laughs> you know when when i was like one of my earliest like playstation memories was seeing commercials for parappa the rapper mm-hmm. and thinking that it was a video game where you got to make rap videos starring animals <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then playing it and being sorely disappointed but this is in fact a game where you can make rap someone videos. can make that game yeah that's yeah. true um yeah. So yeah, we're we're watching a pretty great recreation of Crash Bandicoot. Uh, pretty well done platforming wise and everything. Uh, if you have awesome dreams that you want to share with us, uh, whether they're made in dreams or just your dreams in real life, don't tell us about your real life dreams. No, that go is ahead. Like, no, I'll that read is like one of my pet peeves is hearing people <laughs> describe that. Do you remember that lizard we met in Florida? Yeah, that yeah. the scary one, not the alligator, but the lizard one, the Gila monster thing. No, we didn't. You don't remember the Gila monster? Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I woke up in a, a frantic terror because I dreamed it was in my father's garage and it oh. bite me in the foot. <laughs> you don't live in your father's garage. I mean, maybe. Why not? That's okay. Sure. But yeah, uh, shout out to the Dreams community. The yes, game. yeah. Um, continue to make awesome things, and yeah. we will try to highlight it. Um, uh, called it Dream of the Week. I don't make know if it'll be every week. Make a Gila monster fighting game where you go in your father's garage and kick those guys. Make a game Help me where my fears. You can make rat music videos. Rat yeah. music. Rat. Rat. Rat music. <laughs> Rats who make rat music. Guys, it's the end of the day. Gangster anyway, rats. moving on from that, uh, wanted to jump into memory card, and I have the theme back. Did it play? That was a late intro. Sorry about is. that. Uh, the volume on the computer was wrong. Uh, we have two memory cards for you. I'm going to replay the theme as we go. Thank you to everyone who's been writing in. Remember, memory card is a segment we do on the show every week where we read your funny, sad, happy, whatever kind of favorite memories from your life with PlayStation and gaming in general. If you have a story you'd like to share, send it to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. We have a ton of stories to read and we're reading through them. Uh, as often as we can, but please keep sending them because it is incredibly heartwarming to see everyone sharing these stories with us. Uh, I have two stories this week. The first is from Kelly. Kelly actually wrote in uh, before E3. I loved the story. E3 happened, and I could not for the life of me find the email again, uh, but luckily it was able to find again. And Kelly wrote, hi, Beyond. My husband and I were recently discussing what my PS2 meant to me and decided I should share it with you guys. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents tried to keep up with the things that interested us, but my gaming systems were always a model or two behind all the other kids. My father died suddenly when I was 12, and at that Christmas, my mom used some of the life insurance money to give us the biggest Christmas we'd ever had since it was our first without dad. I opened up a PS2, the first current system I'd ever owned. I spent a lot of time lonely as my mom figured out her new life as a single mom and started dating, and my older siblings drifted apart in their new normals. That PS2 was a welcome distraction and a valued friend during a really hard time during uh, a really hard time of my young life. I played that thing until it was so worn out it couldn't read discs anymore. <laughs> 
Fast forward several years during which I'd stopped gaming altogether because I was too broke to buy a PS3. I met my husband, who at the time was on an Xbox 360. When it was time for next gen, I advocated heavily for a PS4. Xbox controllers never felt at home in my hands. While I don't play it a whole lot, every time I hold a controller or hear the familiar PlayStation tones, I'm reminded of the way that system touched my life. My husband doesn't know I submitted this, so if this makes it to the podcast and you happen to hear it, I love you, Josh. Kelly from Kansas City, Missouri. Also, she's right, Josh. The Xbox 360 controller is corny. <laughs> that was an, That's the biggest takeaway from that this. That was thing. an incredibly sweet Yeah, letter. seriously. Yeah. yeah, that was – I got a little choked up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kelly, thank you so much for writing in that story. We really appreciate you sharing with that with us. I love these. These are this is like a wonderful story. These segment. are great. I love it. Um, moving on from that story, uh, Brigitte, or Bridget, depending on, I guess, how you want to pronounce it, uh, wrote in to be on and said, Hi, Jonathan and crew. Thanks for so much amazing work on the show each week and for consistently bringing Kingdom Hearts all the attention it deserves. You're welcome. I have a memory card story to offer that, funny enough, actually involves a memory card. I moved from New York to Florida in 2004, which was a major transitional period point in my life. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> During that time, I found solace in playing GTA San Andreas at an age where my parents would probably kill me if they knew what I was playing. <laughs> In any case, the game in PS2 belonged to my brother, so I always had to ask permission to play. More specifically, I could play all I want, but I was never allowed to use his memory card. That's right, my brother was so afraid that I could accidentally delete one of his save files that he preferred not use a memory card at all. Being forced to consistently restart a new game file for San Andreas felt like I was stuck in a time loop, but I loved that game so much I didn't want to give up on it. I tried to negotiate, but it was no use. However, one day I received a care package from his girlfriend at the time who had no interest in video games. And to my surprise, there it was, my very own memory card. What? It sounds silly, but having my own red PS2 memory card was such a big moment for me. Not only did I finish San Andreas, but I got to dive headfirst into so many great titles that continue to drop on the PS2 or that I previously missed out on. Shout out to Final Fantasy X. I can confirm that my brother and I are super close and he's much nicer now. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for listening to the story, uh, Brigitte or Bridget. Uh, thank you so much again for writing in that story as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I what a sweet gift. Absolutely love these stories coming in. There, there are games that you can play the beginning of over and over again without a memory card, and I don't I don't think like Final Fantasy X is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> like no. that's, that's about progress. Yeah. I mean, uh, playing playing San Andreas without a memory card, you just, you, know, you just turn cheats on, I guess, but there's you know, only so much you can see there. Mm-hmm. But that is seriously like playing like a free-to-play version with, <laughs> with no money. Yeah, until yeah. you hit a paywall over yeah. and over, and that paywall Yikes. is time. I know, um, it's but definitely yeah. a time loop. Thank you both so much for writing in. Those stories were fantastic, uh, and we've had so many fantastic stories that we'll continue to read on the show. Remember, it is beyond at IGN.com. You can write into it with your stories, and it, the subject line is memory card. Uh, for those, I realize it may be a consideration. If you'd like to write in and be anonymous, Please feel free to do so. Completely understand. We'll happily uh, abide by that. But you can make up a fake name, like in a video game. Just yeah, put your favorite well. PlayStation video game character name, and mm-hmm. and we'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that absolutely works as well. Uh, moving on from that, as we wrap up, uh, I don't have a name for this segment yet, as I mentioned last week. But uh, a few people wrote in with suggestions for our weekly shout out. Um, the two I got, and I want to pitch these to you. We can keep moving on or use them, uh, and I'm going to find them to credit. The two we got were Above and Beyond, as in we're going Above and Beyond. Oh, that's and good. To congratulate, which I, I really, really like that one. Yeah. Um, that was sent in to us by Bruce. Uh, the other was Upload, and I'm going to find <laughs> that uh, this is from Zach, and he actually had kind of like a meaning behind it. It wasn't just I picked a random game word. Um, upload, the idea was uh, up in reference to the uplifting messages everyone can send and load in reference to the amount of messages that can fill one unique individual social media feed. Uh, and I happen to like both of those. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how we go. I really love uh, both of those. For this week, I'm going to call it Above and Beyond. We'll see. 
how we can I like above it. and beyond because it doesn't emphasize the load. Yes. Yeah, that's, that, that is a consideration to think about. Yeah. Um, but for above and beyond, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been shouting out people uh, around the industry, some IGN friends and extended friends of the IGN family. Uh, we don't necessarily tell them ahead of time. So if you can, we would love to send, uh, for you to go and send them a shout out on Twitter. Tell them how much you appreciate their work, uh, whatever message you want to send about how great a job they're doing at whatever their job may be. Uh, this week in particular, I wanted to pick out, unless either of you guys have someone that comes immediately to mind. No, no, no. I had you... one person. Um, this was actually someone I met at PAX West last year, and we were on the kind of funny all-star games i'm messing up the panel but we competed against each other in the first game and i was uh ceremoniously knocked out in the first round uh but uh staff writer for gameindustry.biz reb valentine uh she's a really awesome writer does really great work and just a really awesome person in general just from that one meeting we had uh but she is at duck d-u-c-k valentine spelled like it normally is uh on twitter so go tell her that her work is awesome she does amazing great stuff over there at gamesindustry.biz Tell her she does an awesome job, and we'll continue to shout out people in the future. Um, before that, couple quick rapid fire questions. If you guys are cool, totally, yeah, yeah. cool. All right, no, we're running down the clock here. Yeah, we skipped our last meeting. I got some wine. Yeah, we didn't actually. We we did have to go to a meeting. We didn't just get up to go get wine. <laughs> no, we went to another meeting, but then we had a, Max and I had a meeting book that was just us in a conference room writing. But I I, I like being in here. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. No, uh, podcasting is my like my favorite thing in the world. I this is a highlight of my week, and I really thank you guys for doing it with me, and for everyone at home listening and watching. I think the show rules, Aww. and I enjoy making it with you both. Aww. It's a good time, and also Lucy, whenever she has the stones to show up in here. Right, Lucy. Come on, Lucy. I really, Coward. I really hope I have time to cut in uh, her showing up. <laughs> anyway, um, coward. <laughs> <laughs> First question actually comes from our uh, weekend editor and a freelance writer for us, Joseph. He said, what does Sony's inevitable version of xCloud or Stadia look like and think it has any room to compete given Microsoft and Google's much stronger backgrounds in cloud tech? Uh, I wanted to bring this up because we've talked a little bit about like the streaming future of it all. Um, the main thing I wanted to bring up for this question was they have uh, PlayStation now. It is a relatively smaller audience, but that's something they could rely on. I don't think they have the inf- infrastructure, though, that a company like Microsoft or Google has. <laughs> no, we just heard that news that what like Microsoft and Sony were sort of teaming up for the same architecture. I don't know yeah. what I don't know what these words mean. I just say them. It is a like it's a like memorandum a, of agreement understanding yeah. where they will maybe explore <laughs> sharing technology. It's like yep. when they decide. So to you're use, saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like when they decide on one USB port to use for four years or whatever. Yeah, like, this no one's ever done that. Sadly, unfortunately, they change That's it true. constantly, but it. The hearts are in the right place. But yeah, I, I have to. Try, I have to bring four headphones with me every everywhere now. You can blame Apple for that one. Yeah, yeah they suck. Yeah. Uh, but no, like uh, I think that you know. Keep in mind that like you know, Sony did buy. They bought what? Is it Gaikai? Gaikai. Gaikai. That was yeah. in like twenty. I feel like I was in my like first apartment in San Francisco. That was a long time ago. That was the thing. That was that that weird period with Gaikai and OnLive. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. For three hundred eighty million. That was a cool minute ago. Yep. And I feel like they have been tinkering with that and trying things out. And I think that uh, some of it is their experience with infrastructure. I think some of it is also just infrastructure itself. And I think they're in a very good spot uh, to let somebody else fall on their own sword first. I don't know if that's Google. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. But I mean, I think that we are. I think we are underselling how much of a frontier cloud gaming stuff is um, but also how fast these things do change i remember uh not thinking that netflix streaming would work 
and that was in 2008 or 9 I want to say and then yeah. suddenly I mean that was <clears throat> the side part of their business was yeah. the streaming service I I've, I've been thinking a lot about the sort of perspective of all of this stuff and my thoughts on it so far have been sort of cynical and, and negative about it. Um, and I started retooling that structure in my head a little bit and thinking that um, the benefits of cloud gaming is that it removes the obscenely high barrier of having to buy a high-end console or PC uh, to get in the door. I think that that is sort of like an economic gatekeeping that's happening right now. For the average gamer to experience something like Mario, Zelda, you know, Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, and all that kind of stuff like that. If you take somebody who doesn't have a ton of money and they want to play those games and they want to be part of the conversation. We talked about movies and Netflix and all this stuff before. That's like you can jump on a free trial, get, see a $5 film, all that fun, fun stuff. To like play a video game, I think you even need like a ba- like you need a pretty good PC at at minimum. You need a console. Um, you can burn out the clock on an entire generation by a console used and cheap for a couple hundred bucks. But even that is is a lot. And so I think getting to a point where you're using something you already have already, which is either a television or a mobile device, um, is ultimately a good thing. Because um, it brings more people into the fold and gets more people into the conversation and lets people play video games that they can't play right now. The weird thing that's happening, too, is that at the same time, Sony is selling an obscene amount of consoles. So that obviously doesn't seem to be a problem in their corner. But I do think that they're having a conversation somewhere of how do we get these games to these places where people don't necessarily have that $400, $500 barrier of entry. Yeah. I think with the PS5, it's probably going to be $499, right? But $399 maybe? Like, I. I- Five ninety nine. It's going to be really interesting to see who goes first, yeah. and I think whoever goes first, the other will do what they do. Right. Because I don't think you can come out at a hundred above the other. Yeah. Yeah. At launch and survive right now. Yeah, and but, so yeah. like the the cynical side of me with cloud gaming kicks in, where I'm like, well, you don't own the product, and then your Wi-Fi doesn't work, and you can't play it, and stuff like that. And so that that's all we've all talked about that kind of stuff ad nauseum. You're a hardcore PlayStation audience. I think you're you're with us. In understanding that you you want games on your shelves, you want games stored on your on your system locally, you want stuff you can play when the Wi-Fi goes out, all that fun stuff. And so I I think that they're going to dip a foot in that pond, but I do think that we're going to watch a couple of things crash, burn, and fizzle out before anybody major like Sony jumps in and watches it happen. I don't think that's really going to be a major progressive push for them heading into the next gen. Um, I think they're going to watch what Microsoft's doing, and they're definitely going to watch what Stadia's doing. And I think in the same way OnLive was sort of ahead of the time, but also something that's not necessarily part of the big structure anymore, um, they're going to watch and see what happens. On the flip side, you have Nintendo Switch. You can play on an airplane without any Wi-Fi. And so uh, like, people got really excited that The Witcher 3 is coming to that. And I think for a lot of people, you'd be like, why would you even play that there? But... You know, there's the Switch Mini leaks that look exactly like a PSP. You know, like things are incredibly weirdly cyclical, but I think it all, all comes down to accessibility and ownership. And so I think they're going to take a wait and see approach. Um, I kind of hope they do because I'm not necessarily ready for an all streaming future. I think I think we're a ways off from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's still going to be. I mean, pretty mo- physical focus. Movies so. still come out on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Movies yeah. still come out on DVD. I know. Well, they announced a Wii game at E3 this year. Yeah, it's it happens. Weird. Like things take take a minute to catch up. We're kind of on the cutting edge here. Yeah, but you know, I like I said, I I am 
sympathetic a, a, of the people who want to play video games that can't because it takes $300, $400, $500 to do that. Yep, absolutely. So um, I think there's something there for them. I don't think that's the only way I want to play God of War 2. Sure, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, having to spend more money to play different types of games, uh, a user wrote in asking about uh, they just bought a PSVR. Uh, by the way, all these questions came from Twitter. Uh, I reached out for questions, so I don't necessarily have names for everyone. Like Wevy182, who asked, I finally got a PSVR with Blood and Truth and RE7. What else do I need? I would like two recommendations from each of you, if not just one. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but Arkham VR is like a really fun, really cheap uh, couple-hour experience that makes you feel like Batman. <laughs> no, it, it's got some really, like, it's got some really interesting stuff. Um, the sort of combat detective mode stuff is fun. Um, there's a moment in the game where you look in the mirror and you can't help but do goofy nonsense, which just totally breaks character for Batman, but I love it. Oh, yeah, it's Batman's face, and then you can just bring up his hands and go, like, yeah. crazy with him. Yeah, and you, yeah. you basically get very Adam West Batman, oh, where yeah, he's absolutely. doing the Batusi and stuff. It's yeah. A, it's a fun time. Uh, Next, what about you? Super Hot's pretty solid. Yeah. Um... Did you say one from each of us? One or two. Two. Um, God, what's the other one I always go to? Job Simulator is very funny. Uh, I would say check out all the, the free stuff and demos because there's a surprising amount of those for that. Yeah. Um, oh, there's one called – it's very weird. It's kind of like a um, like a Robloxy type of thing. I talked about it where you I tried I, – I hung out with some child on there and we, we <laughs> tried to open a fast food restaurant in VR. It was really mm-hmm. weird. VR chat? No. Oh, uh, is the, that on PSVR though? No, it's a different no, one. Yeah. It's something, I forget what it's called. But yeah, the VR chat is a big thing for the but other. There's some yeah. weird kind of free-to-play stuff you can poke around On PSVR, with. yeah. Um, it's very cool. There's also like a bunch of corny video apps where you can like watch a hippopotamus go to the bathroom or like fly around in the Andes or whatever. Like whatever the, those stupid GoPro videos. Um, yeah, I'm totally forgetting the name of it. It's one of my favorite psvr games and i'm blanking because it's been a long week and it's only tuesday um i would say astrobot yeah beat saber yep um moss moss, oh, is, moss uh, is fantastic tetris tetris, tetris uh yeah tetris effect if you don't have That's that you can time. play it without vr but play it in yeah. maybe you guys can help me with this this demo for that too it's like a low poly third person action platforming game where you play as like a dancer Oh, is that has oh. consistent flashbacks about like a unbound, a violent, yeah, a violent family upbringing? Uh, okay, yeah, that game rules. That is, a, I didn't know that was in VR. Yeah, that's on PSVR. Oh. They, they patched that. Um, Sweet, and it's really cool in VR. Um, yeah, check check out Unbound. Uh, go on. Thank like, you for go, finding that name. Go on the PlayStation Store and just search by price, free to free to whatever, and grab all the free stuff and just mess around. Like just yeah, poke yeah. around, see what's happening, and get used to it absolutely uh moving on from that leonardo asked how you folks doing drink enough water any small life goals you've accomplished recently no and no uh i don't know we both like i was thinking about this we've both been traveling a lot we're both kind of head down on uh doing uh comic-con planning which is yeah they've got us writing that entire like live show which is all of the Hey everybody! Welcome back to IGN Live at San Diego Comic Con 2019. I'm here with the cast of blah 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 blah, blah and we're yep. here to sit down to talk about such and such. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I guess I'm. I'm proud of that you know we're, we're we've gotten pretty good at that. That's been fun. Um, I I thought I was gonna get like fat again since I became a dad and traveled more and got out of like my routine, but I've mostly been able to hold that steady. So I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with being that way, but I was that way for a while, and I don't want to be that way again. So I'm gonna keep doing what I got to do. But I've still been eating a lot. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not drinking enough water. Pizzas and bagels. I'm definitely not. I, I should. I I really should. I I have like those. Get get yourself like one of those big stainless steel water bottles or something, which I Seriously. left at my desk and I'm yeah. parched. If you're not a water um, person, these things. It's a. I think it's a hydro flask. That's just one brand name. There's also like, 
I don't know. There's another name for them. Steel can or canteen. Can- they're just like steel yeah. canteen thing. That if Go on Amazon to, and trying to drink more water. Bring it to work and leave it there and get another one for home and just fill them up constantly. Fill it, fill it with ice. Drink drink a lot. Fill it with ice and then fill it with water. I don't ever put ice in mine. You don't put ice in yours? No, they stay cold forever. Yeah, yeah, if you I'm put ice in there, water. I will go on a trip and I'll get back and my there will still be ice in my canteen. It's amazing. Probably shouldn't That's drink weird. That Don't drink that very cool. water yeah. like That's... a mule. What? It's, it's sealed up. It's not like <clears> it's, knows it's not like animals there. coming in and taking ice baths in my water can. It's, Actually, it's I don't like think Schrodinger's it's... water. You don't know if I, it's in there or not. I don't know a lot about nature, but I think if you left sealed water in a, a compartment for a long time and came back, there'd be organisms in it. There's organisms in all the water. No, I'd be like sea monkey or like visible. What do you think is it? Anyway, in terms of uh, small life goals, I've been really upset at myself for not writing more outside of work where I write. Uh, and I wrote five pages of a story I'm working on. That's last awesome. Night. Hell yeah. So, happy about that. I just recently read uh, the Stephen King on writing book. Oh, yeah. For anybody. I have it. I haven't read it. Uh, I somehow managed. Oh, I went on vacation and I read like a ton. I just I just burned through a bunch of books and it was it was a good time. Uh, and I, I managed to finish that book in literally a day which was a weird thing for me because i always feel like i'm too slow at reading books but i like woke up at i don't know five thirty-six in the morning and then finished it at exactly the stroke of midnight which was <laughs> a fun feeling but that's if you've ever been curious about how to get started on writing or whatever that's a great read yeah um, yeah and if you want to know if you're old or not it's when you get up at five thirty or six in the morning yeah, on a, vacation that's a, that's a fun surprise <laughs> yeah i do that constantly i'm like it's saturday's here it's time to wake up at five thirty in the morning get the coffee going oh yeah yep. i i've now enjoyed waking up early on weekends so i have time and can like take it easy have a nice quiet morning it's I, wonderful. I, I was pumped to find out that the gym i go to now has classes that start at 5 45 <laughs> and and it's at 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 6 45 yeah because i'm like oh i can be i can be home just as my wife and kid wake up and i get my workout in and i woke up at like 5:10 the other day and i put my workout outfit on i was like i did it i'm up and i'm like what the hell is wrong with me yeah yeah it's a weird mixture of like yeah i'm doing it why am i doing this yeah Yay, why exactly um last but not least just cuz we're running a little bit late on time it's the end of the day uh, our own ronnie asked what is the best playstation game name my vote is ape escape that's a really good one the um, name tokyo the- jungle is a great is a great it's a really solid game one. name yeah Bloodborne is just the fucking best. That is a, that is a great name for <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. That's yeah. really good too. What an insane thing to call a thing. What would mm-hmm. you why would you name it that? Also, I, I want to point out that Metal Gear Solid is kind of the same naming convention as like Spyro the Dragon or Crash Bandicoot. It's like the man's name is Solid. Echo State. the Dolphin. <laughs> yeah, but you're like, this is not this is like that's like you think it must be something totally different. Yep. Yeah. No, that's dude. like that's like yeah. go kart Gary. Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Anyway, that's a thing that I thought was funny a long time ago. This is long, very long good. Name. My vote would be Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep. How, oh, wait, wait. Here's the worst. The worst. You. The worst game name I've got, I could somehow remember is uh, Artanelico Koga, the Nell of RCL, uh-huh. which I memorized because what are most of those words? <laughs> we did that at the Live Beyond last year. We did um, the worst name of 2018. Oh, award, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was basically things like that yeah. that had semicolons in the middle right. of three different words. What's the worst Kingdom Hearts game name? Uh, I mean, three five eight over two days is that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's, probably that's, that or recoded. Just what are the one, what's the one that uses like a uh, a wing ding? <laughs> it's like a symbol that you don't know the name of. It's like a dead. Oh, that's uh, the mobile game Kingdom Hearts Key. 
It's, yes. it's had multiple names, but yeah, right. the, the symbol is key. Or you basically. can't pronounce it out loud. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Beyond Episode 598. Thank you all so much for listening or watching. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is Jonathan Dormish. I was joined by Brian. Where can people find you outside of the show? Uh, you can find me at Agent Bizzle on Instagram. I'm at Brian Altano. And then um, Max and I are working on Up at Noon stuff, so that show's coming back soon. In the meantime, go watch our alligator video. Yes. Go watch the alligator video. It was it's a great. good time. It's really See good. why we went to Florida. We don't know still for ourselves. We didn't tweet that out yet, did we? Did we? I don't no. remember. It's been a long time. I've year. watched it, and it's, it's a great. Good time. Thank you. Uh, Max, where can people find you besides the alligator video, just, which they should watch? Just Max Scoville on Twitter, Max Scoville on Instagram. I've been trying to be just on social media less in general, but uh, – you know, it's it's nice to be back making podcasts with you guys. So yeah, yeah. glad to have you back. Uh, and I am at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you you can of course read my Kindle singles under my numerous pen names. Just go find one; you'll probably see mine. Otherwise, this has been Beyond Episode 598. Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Thank you so much for listening or watching or consuming the show, however you do. And as always, Beyond. Hey, beyond. are we doing anything special for Prime Day? Are we going to celebrate that special day of the summer anytime? Are we do anything We're going to have a 24-7 marathon episode of Beyond. We're just going to go on Amazon. Where just we just look it. at... Wow, two pounds of red vines, $14. <laughs> a bathtub full of horse feed for six fifty. Today's the day. <laughs> Tennis balls! <laughs> I'm just going to use this Prime Day to reflect on all the deals that I'm grateful for. It's very kind of you, Max. Beyond. Beyond.